with four guys in a comic. When Thanos asked Death for entertainment, this is what he got. Here's your hosts, Fred, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Hey guys, what's up? It's Rusty Surfer here with four guys in a comic, and today we got all the guys here, actually. Hey, what's up, Nova? How are you doing? I'm good, Rusty. I'm good. How, uh, how are you? How's your week? I'm doing fine. Hey, it's solid so Great. far. How are you doing, Red Skull? I've had a week, let me tell you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know what? I got to, you know, when you think of the top three things that could be the worst things that could ever happen to a comic collector, one of them happened to me. Oh, no. Ooh, I'm excited to hear about that then. Hey, Tap. Yes, sir. What's up? What up, Buttercup? What up? <laughs> Well, uh, since we have all of us here, I want to hear the story, Red. What were you talking about? What happened well, earlier this week? It's, it's depressing, I'm telling you. So I went in the attic to pull my short box of my my Nova issues. And one I love, I love Nova. Proud Thank of my, my box of everything oh. in there. No, that's, that's you know, I love you too, Nova. <laughs> but I opened up the box and out crawled several silverfish. Ooh. Oh, damn. Yes. Okay. So, okay, I've heard of silverfish, but what is a silverfish? A silverfish is a small little creature um, that basically, it loves glue and is drawn by glue, particularly like glue that's found uh, in um, the glue that you hold your comic bags closed or in the uh, tape that's used on, the, on comic bags. Mm. But they can live off of your paper. They love to eat paper. And they can live for a long time off of your paper, and they really don't need water. And they'll just destroy your whole collection. And what do they look like? They look disgusting. They're maybe about just under an inch long, and they're silver in color, hence the name silverfish. And they have, uh, and the, they kind of uh, waddle back and forth, side, you know, like kind of like a fish. And where that's where they also got the name fish from the silver fish. So and you said they're like an inch long, half an inch, half an inch long, half an inch. Okay. Yes. And they, I, so I pulled out that box, had to go through every bag of every Nova issue that's ever been made. <laughs> that took a while. And my whole week was spent going through 30 plus short boxes. Wow. Yes. And I only found them in, boxes that had newspaper print comics in it that's rough it was rough it held me back from doing a lot of reading that i would have liked but i did get a lot of reading done because there's just so much to read this week yeah really good week you're telling me brother oh i mean where to begin i mean marvel dc image valiant they all had just huge big things go on this week well, you don't get to pick because I'm going to let Nova pick yeah. when we start. Oh, I that. get to choose? Well, um, that's tough. Do I save the best for last? Or do I just bring it out right now? I don't know. I don't that's know. That's the question. What'd you, which, what is the best? <laughs> Where's my... Um, well, uh, come on. All right, let's save the best for last then. All right, let's start with Marvel. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! Don't say that. Let's, um, uh, I, I want to talk about the button. Yes. The button. Okay. The button. Yeah. So I had this shirt on this past week, and um, I guess I just got too excited as I was taking it off, and the the button just fell off. So. Oh, sir. You know what happens sometimes. No, let's yeah. talk about. Well, he's so, he's so ripped <laughs> that it just pops no, right no. off. No, no. I wish. Uh, but yeah, no. The the uh, the comedian button, the Watchman. 
we're finally we're finally um being told a story that's supposed to give us answers <laughs> and that's been what sitting for two years almost correct one year one year one year yeah but hey it's it's finally happening we're getting some covers with the commute with the watchman button on it yeah now the thing is <laughs> is are, are we saying. getting more questions or are we getting answers and i can tell you right now we've read batman 21 and flash 21 and from my perspective i feel like we're just getting more questions and zero answers that well, being it's, said it's still really good you know yeah, like and from a person yeah. that doesn't read dc yeah i've got a lot of questions <laughs> All right, that let's red hear probably has like he's like what's the whole backstory on this button <laughs> <laughs> no 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 the watchman i keep hearing people say the watchman i was just wondering what's up with that <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that movie that they have yeah what is this comedian what is this yeah see i mean i'll throw out some of my questions not being a dc person but um what is it about the uh, button that activated when you're getting close to the mask that we don't know. We're st- that brought up another question. That has yet to be answered. Okay. And what exactly is that mask? Ooh, Psycho Pirate's mask? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that character. Uh, he basically... Crisis on Infinite Earths, man. Yeah, he Psycho basically Pirate. controls emotions. People's emotions, yeah. And he can, like... Yeah, he basically controls your emotions, which means he can kind of mind screw you and do make you do whatever he wants you to do. Do his yeah. bidding, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. What else? Why is there start off in Arkham Jail with uh, this female with these guys watching sports? Say that again. <laughs> I think he stumped him. I guess I did. Well, oh, beginning yeah, of the issue. Yeah, yeah, they're watching right. hockey. You know, oh, I, I just, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, Batman yeah, 21. Yeah. Okay. And I, what I don't understand is why is there a single female in a room full of males in a prison? Watching hockey. Uh, is it a prison? I think it was a mental institution. Because it said it in there, Arkham. Arkham Asylum. So yeah. So okay. So prison slash mental. Yeah. However you want to. Yeah. However you want to interpret that. Yeah, she, it's a nut house basically for the. It's a place for the criminally insane. Um. Yeah. yeah I don't so know. That part I don't it's, understand at all. So we can we can talk about that because you get a little bit of that in the Flash as well. Um, so in Batman, we yes. see like I, I'm not too familiar with the Legion of Superheroes, but it's she's one of the characters from there. It's probably like Saturn Girl or something. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm making up names as I go along at this point. But um, yeah, that's <laughs> it's a character. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Saturn Girl is one of them. But yeah, it's it's, yeah, that it's basically sounds just good. it's <laughs> just like. letting us know. It's just letting us know, like you know, guys, the Legion of Superheroes is is still part of the DC universe. Don't freak out. Um, but not really giving us much besides that. And then in, in The Flash, we got to see uh, Johnny Thunder, who's also in an insane asylum. Uh, and he's calling out for his good old pal, the Thunderbolt. It's great. I love it. A nice little JSA reference. We've seen like Jay Garrick's uh, bowl hat as well in The Flash. Yes. It's great. I love any did. JSA references. Those make me happy. But yeah. yeah you did. Nice little... Nice little references there. The thunder yeah. needs me. Yeah, I don't know. They keep like, uh, I don't know. There's like little hints at the beginning of Batman with like the girl in the hockey thing, and then um, with Flash with him out on the roof during the thunderstorm. Um, but it's not like once again. I think it just leaves you asking more questions than you are actually getting answers. 
Yeah, and see, one of the other things that, you know, maybe I missed somewhere because, I'm, like I said, I don't read them too much DC, but I never remember Thawne, uh, you know, when Batman put the the knife or whatever into his foot mm-hmm. and he says he can't, he has to be grounded. I don't remember that ever being an issue in the past reading, especially like um, the Reverse Flash series in uh, the, the Wally series back in the 80s. I don't remember that being an issue. Well, that was 30 years ago, Red. Things change, man. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what I'm asking. How did it change? I mean, is there something that I missed, or is that just, or am I just, you know, off my rock? I thought you were one. supposed to be the, the Flash expert over here, and now you're that's asking that, us guys. And that's why I'm asking. I think I don't you're remember just that ever reading into it a little too much. Some things, it's a comic book, we just have to take with a grain of salt. Okay. But no, I, no, also, I also, though, I have not read every Flash issue ever made either, so there very well could be some sort of a reference in there that I just don't know, because like I said, I haven't okay. read well, every I'm guess, issue. I'm guessing if he's vibrating so fast, he would just fall through the floor, right? So he has to have like the sole of his foot at least to be solid, like not vibrating vibrating because otherwise he'd like fall through the ground right if he's vibrating his molecules so quickly you can't punch him but it's it's whatever it's like weird comic science i guess okay i just was wondering if there's something that i missed somewhere okay okay all right that's cool that's cool but that was a crazy issue because like the batman one especially there's so much cool stuff going on it's why i love tom king sometimes there's this whole thing like i only need to hold out for a minute you like reverse flash rips up that letter from his dad i was like god damn it that's that sucks like that's just like the that one cold. oh my god um your barthon's just such a jerk at this point he's just <laughs> what an asshole um but that and then like flash doesn't show up after that minute i was like oh my god this is so cool they just show the timer counting down as well. Uh, yeah, great. that was a nice touch in that. I like yes. how it also mirrored like that. That there's a hockey fight at the start where one guy's just dominating the other, and it's like the last panels like, is this even fun anymore? And it's kind of the same thing with this fight. You're reading this, and you're like, comics like violence in comics is kind of fun, but this is so bad. Bruce is getting so beat. There's like blood gushing from his face. Um, yeah, he got his butt handed to him for sure. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that then, you know, Batman all of a sudden is looking at another Batman? That one had me like, oh, what's going on there? Is it something that I missed or is that something new? Oh, you 100% miss Flashpoint Paradox then, my friend. Yeah. Um, incredible read. Highly recommended yeah. if you haven't read that. Okay, one. so for those that don't know, the other Batman is from the Flashpoint Paradox. We're basically, in, in a large nutshell, uh, Flash goes back in time to try to basically save his mom, and in doing so, creates this uh, alternate reality, so to speak. He goes back in time and ends up screwing everything up, creates what they call Flashpoint. And in that, instead of Thomas Wayne dying um, in the mugging at the, when, when Bruce was a kid, Bruce is the one that died. Yeah. Him and his mom died. So instead of Bruce no, his Wayne mom, becoming... his mom survived. Oh, that's she right, be, that's right, that's became, right. Yeah, You're his right. mom survived. She became the I don't villain. know if we want to give... The, we can give that away for Red. I don't know. Give it away to her. Yeah, yeah. Tell I wanna, him. I want to know. Tell him. Uh, she, He's going to be like, what? She becomes the Joker, basically. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, and, yep. and, and uh, Thomas Wayne becomes a, a, gun, a gun-wielding Batman. Which is why his bat symbol is red, though, instead of, like, the black yeah. or the yellow, like what you're used to seeing. His is red and black. More like blood. Yeah. yeah. And then so, yeah, and so he, if you ever see Batman rolling around with a gun, well, that's Thomas Wayne. So, anyways, in Flashpoint Paradox, he wrote the letter to Bruce. Like, he discovers that Thomas believes Flash that he came from this alternate reality. So he writes a letter to Bruce, and he's like, please give this to my son. 
because it's kind of his way of saying goodbye to Bruce since he never got a chance to since Bruce was killed in the alleyway. Um, so he does, and then that's the letter that Eobard Thawne rips up and throws away, basically. So when you say that like, you see like the ghost Batman or whatever, his dad said, Bruce says he saw like a ghost Batman, it was Thomas Wayne that he was seeing. So he was seeing Daddy. Yeah. He was seeing oh. Daddy Bats. Yeah, and, and at Flashpoint Paradox what is what caused the New 52, because Flash came back, fixed everything, but the New 52 started right after that. So it's all sort of coming full circle now. After, like, six years, it's great. For people who have, you know, who trudge through the New 52, it's there's a lot of really cool payoff coming out of this. There is. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I think that kind of basically covers Batman 21. Yeah. Other than the fact, the art. I gotta tell you, I love the art. Yes. Jason Fabic is a machine. Wow. I love that dude's art so much. No, not just the art, but we gotta we gotta talk about the Letno cover. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, those lithographic covers for the button are are amazing. Um, Wait until you get the Flash one. The Flash one I think is even cooler than Batman Twenty One. I think Flash Twenty One is probably the coolest one that I've seen so far. Because I tell you, I don't think I've bought a DC title since I can remember, but I had to buy this because of that that cover. You walk by and it's like, ooh, that's pretty, that's shiny. I got to get that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was epic. Um, so then that brings us to this week's book, Flash Twenty One, um, and it's basically uh, Flash going to see Bruce asking him questions because obviously he was too late as we know at the end of Batman 21 uh, Bruce is well beat the hell up basically um, and so Flash is asking him questions and then Flash is like alright well I'm gonna go you stay here Bruce get well and so then Flash is like I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go figure this out so he busts out the cosmic treadmill which as you all know created the Flashpoint Paradox cosmic treadmill is, is a huge uh well, basically, it's a huge no-no for uh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a, the sorry the flash. It's a huge no-no. The the cosmic treadmill is so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Wally overabused that a lot in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, it was like the riddle to every uh, problem. The, the I mean, sorry, the solution to every problem. It Just, was. <laughs> well, well, hold on. Treadmill. Tell me more about this cosmic treadmill. Okay, think of it. You have a treadmill, right? A regular treadmill that you go running on at the gym. Okay. Handlebars on the side. Uh-huh. Well, Flash can go run on it, and it he can go through through time. It was, was this always in existence, or is this something that he created? Always, yeah. Because it seems... I'm pretty sure it, it seems a little age. coincidental. Well, it was actually create, originally created by a thawne in the future because when he went to the past he saw it there where he created it originally so it's kind of a paradox because thawne created it in the past because he saw it in the future of the one that he originally created in the past if that makes sense whatever floats the boat all right i mean this is Rusty's something having a created. hard time buying this he loves adam warlock a man who turns into a cocoon <laughs> yeah. and comes yeah. out a guy and he's having a hard time buying alternate universes what yeah. in the world I don't, i'm just saying a cosmic treadmill i mean there's a few weird things like that in marvel like the gardener 
like, which is like a cosmic how about, entity. How about the Infinity Gauntlet? I mean, it's along well, the same lines. That was an object. I mean, I guess that's the same one. It's the same but, thing. The, the, the stones make more st- sense, I guess, than a cosmic treadmill. No. Why Do you is get that? what I'm saying? I mean, the I mean Rusty. Pretty cool. We all I know mean, equal. Best- we all know E equals MC squared. What happens once your energy? How do you dictate what's happening when your actual energy traveling at the speed of light? Who knows? It could make sense. And the cosmic treadmill helps to harness, like, the speed force and stuff. Because, like, Flash can only run so fast. Like, Eobard can travel through time without the cosmic treadmill. Like, he's fast enough that he can do it I without. I think they should have named it something different. I well, think that, is, that's what like, it is. They named it like what it is. They what it is. You know what I mean. Though. It was you made think in the like 60s, a treadmill man. in your life, and you're like, yeah. It's made in the yeah. 60s. They named it what it is. It is a cosmic Really? Treadmill. It was made? Okay. It was made in the 60s. That makes more no, sense. Actually I, actually, I thought it was in the early 80s. It was no, it's 19, 1961. I just Googled it. Rusty, you got a guy who's silver who floats on a surfboard in space. <laughs> and his name so is Silver it's very Surfer. So, like, yeah, you don't think they could have come up with a different name? Okay. His the name six, is no, Silver Surfer. You got surfer. me there. It's okay. I will admit defeat after that one. Yeah, you do have... A silver guy floating around on a surfboard in space. So yeah. that makes sense. Okay. With the power okay. cosmic. He's got I'll the cosmic the coolest, surfboard. The coolest yeah. thing I've ever saw with the cosmic treadmill, though, was when the Flash used it to take the black fat Flash into an alternate reality where he ended up basically being in our reality and the Black Flash was inside of a comic book store looking at Flash comic books on the newsstand. <laughs> And wow. he saw the exact issue that we were reading in our hands. But what's really cool about this whole thing is they're seeing like bits of the past that they don't remember happening. So it's stuff that happened in the Silver Age and and Bronze Age. We see like the Crisis of Infinite Earths thing where um where Barry's just disappearing. At least I'm pretty sure that's where it's from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we see all this stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, Wally told us someone stole years from our lives, and I guess we're seeing it now. More like decades, but. It's kind of trippy. Like they're seeing. I got a little chill when I saw those panels. I was like, "Oh, Silver Age, Bronze Age, ooh." Yeah, it's cool. So we're like, it's weird. We're not getting any actual direct questions. Like we don't see Doctor Manhattan, but I mean, the implication is pretty strong at this point. Everything's blue around them. Come on. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes for sure. Especially at the end of the cliffhanger here. It's been like four days i don't know if we yeah let's let's do it that's a spoiler cast spoilers right. you don't want to hear it fast forward that's right it was probably yeah. the coolest moment of the book honestly um yeah joshua williamson was able to write a really really cool scene uh with bruce they go back in time obviously the cosmic treadmill goes haywire they crash when they end up in this alternate reality Bruce is like, oh, I'd know this cave anywhere. This is the cave when I first started out in year one and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, but that gun, that's not my gun. And then they realize they went back into uh, where Thomas Wayne is actually the Batman. And um, Thomas says, I did this all for you, son. And so Batman, it's a really touching moment where Batman gets to see his dad and his dad gets to see his son again. Uh, so it was kind of a really cool touching moment. But the thing is, is that he said, I did this all for you, son. What the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like you did what? You became Batman because of him? Is that what he meant? Or, Probably. or is he doing some kooky stuff? You know, 
because what if he's been like watching Bruce? That's what like, I, through some. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then there's yeah. also the when Eobard came back from wherever the heck he was um, after he kicked the crap out of Batman uh, before he disintegrated. Basically, he kept saying that he met God. Yeah. And uh, Flash even says, you know, well, that's odd because he's more of a man of science than faith. So what does he mean? He goes, Bruce is like, no, he meant God with a capital G. So it's interesting because at this whole whole last year, they've been hinting at this Dr. Oz guy. Um, But I don't feel like, like people have seen Dr. Oz, though. And nobody's ever been like, oh, it's God. So I don't think they're talking Dr. Oz here, which then makes you think, well, if this all has to do with the Watchmen, are they referring to Dr. Manhattan, who we haven't really seen yet? And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So there's your conspiracy theory, Rusty. Ah, sounds good right there. So the We see Dr. Manhattan pop back up sooner than later. That would be great. So I'm not going to ask the button. We know it's in issues 21 and 22 of Batman and The Flash. Are we going to see any crossovers of this into other series? Will this help change the future in all of the DC or some of the DC or just those titles? What are your thoughts? That's classified. (laughs) (laughs) I assume so. I'm I'm guessing it'll affect everyone. I, I don't know. I don't think like I don't think any other titles directly tied into this storyline right tap i'm pretty sure it's just batman and flash inclusive right now uh correct now i did read action comics this week um and dr oz comes into play right, into right. that book uh but as far as the button and things go it's they're strictly holding the button storyline in between um uh batman and flash but i could see because wally west is aware of the whole button thing too so i could titan, potentially probably. see yeah or at least wally coming into it if not the whole titans right um, I yeah, could Superman see that books, happening. Superman books for sure will be affected. I'm missing Detective Comics as well because they're dealing with Oz and and Tim. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So for sure, Detective will be impacted. So I mean, other books are going to be impacted, but as far as yeah. the button itself goes, it's going to be strictly the Flash and Batman are the two are the two titles. So we're not going to be seeing a by issue 23 the re rebirth Batman issue number one. No, no, no. They, there are solicits out for already. No, no, fret not. They're not rebooting already. No. <laughs> you never know in this day and age. It's true. I, I, yeah, no, I hope not. Um, God, I hope not. You know, I'm just going to say, I get, it's still nice to see uh, Hal Jordan not tied to anything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. And I can still read it as a standalone, which, I mean, I know. I read Marvel, so I, I'm used to all the having to read everything to understand You're anything. You're like, what? What? This is weird. Like, I don't have to read all these other titles. What is this? This yeah, linear storytelling exactly. tied to one title? I've never. What's, <laughs> it's like, this is so it's unfamiliar. Like Finding an independent book. What? What? You mean this doesn't tie now, into? No. Oh, okay. Now, now I was gonna say, even though I am an issue behind on Hal Jordan. I mean, Nova, you've read it, I think, now with me, but it's really good still. Like, I am still going to throw it out there like hardcore. That book is so good. And, I mean, it's the only real DC title I'm reading right now, like, and keeping up with. 
Um, yeah. And it's just wonderful. I mean, the whole thing with this whole Blue Lantern, uh, you know, being the last one around, and then what's his name? Saint. Uh, Saint Walker. Saint saint walker yeah i mean that's cool all on its own and now we have a fear lantern like thing being built on what is it mogo mojo mogo yeah 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 mogo and right next to the green lantern and it's just like this is incense and i mean like i said i'm not the biggest like green lantern fan i'm not diehard i haven't gone back and read like every single you know, classic Green Lantern issue. So I don't know everything, but coming from a new reader perspective, I can already tell that this is like something intense, you know. And um, just the scene of uh, what was it? Uh, what's his name? Antillo and Arkillo. 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 And then uh, Guy, like, yeah. buddying up and being like, hey, I'll kick any of y'all's asses if you don't, you know, follow. And it's just like, yeah. oh, okay. And it's one of those feel good moments. Like the comic is like I don't know. It seems somewhat inspirational. Yeah, in a I way. Mean, it, they're almost at issue twenty, and so far it seems like the whole storyline has just been. It's like one massive storyline, which is great. Mm-hmm. There's individual arcs for sure, but overall things are tying in from issue from issue one to eighteen. And I think double weekly, double, bi-weekly releases really. You, like you get your fix you know you're not waiting a whole month and you're like uh it's not worth waiting a month for this book i, I don't think i'll read it you're getting it every other week and you get your fix that way no definitely and i was gonna say like you said it's a bunch it's like a streamlined story has these little arcs in it but it feels like it's far from climaxing oh yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it feels like there's so much more left to tell and it doesn't seem like it has a definite end like insight at all i feel like you know this is just the grounds like okay let's establish that these two groups are going to work as one and then this is probably it feels like the story could go on for like three four years you know what i mean yeah like and then just explode with this epic huge story for sure but you never know i mean in this day and age we don't really get that many comics that feel like this anymore you know what i mean like yeah. i mean you have your independence that do it and stuff but like when it comes to dc or marvel you don't see this happen i guess very often anymore and i honestly feel like this title could like go on and on and like i wouldn't be surprised if it hit like issue 50 or you know even 100 eventually if i, I mean so. if they allow them to do it so i hope so the sales keep up hopefully hopefully but um yeah some good stuff going on at dc if any of you folks out there are interested dc's doing it right yeah they got some good stories going um speaking of i mean we're obviously implying marvel here as as the other side we had there were some pretty big releases recently oh yeah yeah marvel side god yeah i see this is the weird part right here red gave up marvel (laughs) a while ago and then all of a sudden we get this giant red skull hydra (laughs) storyline and he's jumping back in the game like nothing ever happened it's like hey we're not even gonna put the floaties on i'm jumping right into the deep end off the high dive so that's right i'm putting my faith into it one more time (laughs) (laughs) but you know i have my own conspiracy theory when it comes to marvel um but we can get into that later on no secret empire boom you know kicked off this last week and you know for those that 
don't realize it, you know, it started off with USA Avengers uh, number five, Beyond. which ties into Thunderbolts 12, which ties into Steve Rogers' Captain America number 16, which goes directly to Secret Empire number zero. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I picked them up, obviously, at the shop. And I don't know, you can't, t you can't tell this, you know, off of Comicology or off the pictures that you see on the internet, but that shield that's in the top corner, or the, I mean, sorry, in the top in the middle, that had, you know, the Captain's America's new shield and has mm. the white star in the middle. In that white star is actually the Hydra symbol. Oh. Hmm. Yes, but yeah, it's a white it's... outline. Hey, you can't zoom in. You can barely zoom in close enough on the on the mm -hmm. phone to see that. No. That's but cool. if you pick up the actual issues and you look at it, there is the Hydra symbol in that white star. Um, I also got to talk about the cover of Secret Empire Zero. And, nice. uh, something I've been wanting to bring up in chat rooms i just haven't had the time to but if you look at it his left side is a little bit disproportionate to the right side it's got that life field disproportion going on a little bit and he has no feet and he has all these pouches <laughs> the resurgence is real <laughs> it is i'm telling you but other than that actually it's just a cool cover you got it yeah, looks good but it's one of those feel-good covers, man. Yeah, it is. You know the, the <laughs> what? Oh my god! It looks like a deadly <laughs> World War II battle scene. Feel yeah, good. Yeah, I love it. Oh my feel guys are good so American. In one of those ones that will be remembered. <laughs> you guys are so Let's American. Yeah, way. Captain America just standing in a battlefield where he killed everybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and his, America. And his uniform is ripped, showing the yeah. Hydra symbol. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to oh say, God. you know, the cover was awesome. And I was like, as soon as I went to go open it up, I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed with the art inside of it. After reading Batman 21 and that great art inside of it, I expected at least the same quality in Secret Empire. And I got to tell you, I was disappointed with it. I don't know how you guys felt with that art. I don't I don't mind uh, Acuna's artwork. It just didn't. It doesn't really fit the vibe of the. I don't know why. It just no. it, it felt like, especially based, coming from the cover, where it's like mm -hmm. this super ultra realistic cover. I mean, obviously that won't be interior artwork, but you know, there's mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a big jump. It's a big. It jump. is, it is. But like I say, you know, when you're you're kicking off a, you know, a story like this, you I would have expected something a little bit different. It wasn't terrible for me though. I mean, if no, you're comparing, it wasn't. It, I mean, Jason Fabic is, I think he's like the best in the business right now. Just the guy who did Batman 21, I think he's the best in the mm -hmm. business right now. Just my opinion. So, I mean, anyone else is going to look bad compared to him. But I literally, I read Secret Empire Zero after Batman 21. And mm. maybe that was <laughs> that was part of it for me. But I was just like, oh, man. But Nick Spencer, man, the story in it was great. And I, I, you, all three of you read it, read it correct? Yeah. yeah. No. No. Oh, <laughs> oh Tap is like... Tap is he's planted his feet in that ground saying, I am not I'm not moving. I will not You're pick standing up that by the river of truth, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm I just recently even started reading the very beginning of uh uh Steve Rogers Captain America. I've read the first two issues and I'm having a hard time getting into it. It's like, wordy. People keep sure. people keep talking about how amazing it is and stuff, and I'm having a hell of a time getting into it. <laughs> I won't say it's amazing. I'd say it's just a good read, and it picks up yeah. as it goes through it, especially by the time you get to 10. That's, to me, when it started really snowballing, becoming something really like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, you know what? It, it, I, I see where everything's coming together. It's a pretty good read. And now everything's fallen into place from everything now. Yeah. And 
I, I can see Secret Empire really, you know, wow, this is really great. Or they can really <laughs> F this up. Well, I definitely want to bring up, like, reading Secret Empire, it felt like one of those, like, you know, epic comic moments where everything was obviously falling apart and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I thought back to Secret Wars, number one, where yeah. all these epic things were yes. happening and things were falling apart. And the art looked great, and it was just like, okay, this is cool. And then all of a sudden we got Secret Wars 4, and we're just like, all right, when is this going to end, you know? T events are tough events are tough because there's so much pressure placed on them and you know it's just tough the first issues are you're right there every first issue is always oh my god this is going to be the greatest thing we've ever read and then slowly but slowly but surely it uh it all comes apart i'm just gonna yeah. rely on rusty to sell me on secret <laughs> empire and tell me everything yeah. about it he's not reading yeah. the button i'm not reading secret empire Ooh. I will be reading the button because I will not be reading Secret Empire. <laughs> Dude, Secret Empires is a far larger investment than the button. Yeah, uh, there were four no, issues in the that first is way week of Secret Empire. Yeah, I've well, just that's got... the thing. Did y'all read any of the other issues that yeah. went along with kind this, of like Thunderbolts or anything? Kind of See, my thing is, I've just got so much other right stuff that I'm reading that I just. I would rather read stuff that I know for a fact I am going to enjoy and I want to get read rather than taking a risk on something that doesn't have a lot of... It, honestly, it holds no interest for me. I really could care less what happens, to be quite honest with you. I'm not a Captain America fan. I'm not a... I'm not a Thunderbolts fan. I'm not a U.S. agents or whatever. The, I'm not any of these fans. So like, I could care... I don't care about any of these characters. I don't care about Red Skull. I don't care about the Cosmic Cube. I don't care about... Any of this. So for me, it, 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 this is nothing. I, I don't, and I don't mean to say that like a jerk. I know it comes off that way and I don't mean it that way. It's just, I don't, like I said, my Marvel characters are Slapstick, Moon Knight, uh, you know, Ghost Rider, like not, not Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider. I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, but like, you know, Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider, like those are my marvel characters and so if it doesn't and spider-man like if it doesn't impact them i don't care that's true you know the one way to think about it and i think the best way to put it in perspective if you want to go from dc to marvel uh it's like batman suddenly becoming a bad guy and he works for the joker that's a great well, point I get, I, that's a great that's, point because i was thinking I, this entire time i'm like this storyline would not happen with batman around <laughs> this is why he has no. those plans those contingency plans yeah. for for stuff like this no, I get the 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 gravity of it. Like like I understand, but at the same time, like it doesn't interest me. I feel like it's way too political and I disagree with 99% of American politics. Um and it doesn't matter if it's left side or the right side. I disagree with everybody pretty much because I think they're all full of themselves and it's just so and I feel like it's very political and I don't like politics in my comics. Yeah. I want to be entertained. I don't want to think about real life. I read comics to get away from the bull crap that is the world. I don't need it in my comics as well. Does that make sense? Fair point. Yeah. Absolutely I, fair. I read it I read it for fantasy. I don't read it to be reminded of what the hell's going on in yeah. the outside world. Yeah. And I feel like it's just very political. Now, I've, I'm trying to read it, and I will continue to push through Steve Rogers' Captain America. I promised somebody I would. I'm going to continue to push my way through as I have time. And maybe my opinions will change. We'll see. 
But as of right now, I just I don't care about the characters. And that's fine. But I will say, Nick Spencer, actually, he did a great job writing this issue. Um, yeah. It, it made you hate Captain America by the end it, of the issue. It did. It <laughs> really cow. made you just be like, okay, screw that Steve S-O-B. Rogers. Screw everything he's ever done. He's dead to me. Yeah, I, I talked to, to you guys about this in the room. I'm like, I was just wondering, does nobody notice this stuff? He goes up to the guy in U.S. Avengers, whoever's running it, some Brazilian guy, and he's like, you think you can come into this country and change them? I'm like, dude, if Captain America ever said this to anyone, <laughs> they'd be like, who are you? You're a, you're a yeah. Skrull. What are you doing? Yeah. It's crazy. There was a lot of obvious moments like that. I think that yeah. they Jim Zub hit it really well in Thunderbolts, though. Until it finally came down to, like, you know, I guess uh, Kobik just being like, all right, this is what's happening. And then, Bucky, you should say Hail Hydra. And it's like, I'm not going to say it. All right, then. Away with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And then kills off Bucky. It's like, holy cow. He kills off Bucky, and then he comes back, like, the next issue. That's the only thing that got me. Is in this newest issue... They brought him back, kind of, for a little bit, and they basically dismantled the whole Thunderbolts in the preview issue to this. And it's like, is there even going to be another Thunderbolts issue, or is it just going to be a uh, Masters of Evil Mm -hmm. issue, basically? Because Zemo's basically in control again. And it's weird, though, speaking of Zemo... Uh, in Secret Empire, reading that part where he gets the Darkhold or he has the Darkhold or whatever, because that's playing off the Carnage series that just ended. Oh so God. it's like, yeah, it's like Secret Empire is even digging into a series that had nothing to do with anybody mm-hmm. and making it, I guess, relevant in this. And I was like, okay, that's, I mean, that's a little bit clever, you know, for Nick Spencer to tie something as small as that into the main story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it leaves you with the questions, though. What is the future of the Marvel Universe with, how, with this? What's We're getting happen? a reboot in a year. Watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised. No, or hopefully, you know, it would be, even though I know, Tap, you said that you don't really like politics in the uh, the story or whatever, but if I, if, okay, if Captain America stayed a Hydra agent until the end of the presidency right now, that would be kind of cool, just in the idea that- You only got six more months where he's impeached, I mean. Oh, <laughs> Womp womp, but you know what? That would be kind of a cool little like thing that they're you know, just because how it relates, I guess, and just with his view. And even though everyone doesn't see see it the same way, you know, everyone has their own opinion and stuff. It's kind of cool how you know you would really know what inspired this whole thing for that whole term. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, man, I I read comics to get away from it all, not to. You know, I like fantasy. I don't I don't need real life thrown at me in my comics as well. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It is what it is. It's just, it's a political statement. It's Marvel's way to make a political statement. It's all this is, and there's a lot of people out there that, that love it because they're into politics. That's their thing, and more power to you. Um, but for me personally, I've just, it's never been something that I'm into. And like I said, it's characters that I don't really care for. So, like, if they made Spider-Man a part of it, 
I'd probably be more interested, and I'd probably be I like, mean, well, I think Spider Man's gonna be a part of it. Yeah, he's already a part of it. Yeah, is he? How? Yeah, is yeah, he? I Second to last page. I'm looking at it right <laughs> now. I read the issue, yeah. and I'm wondering where. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he swings Basically, in for, like, everyone's the... gonna be a part of it. He yeah. doesn't even really the, say yeah. anything. No, because like the Defenders was in the issue. I mean, they had Spider-Man and all the New York people, you know, all the New York heroes. See, I'm waiting for Venomverse. You want to get me excited about something? I want to talk about Venomverse, like when that I don't know how Venomverse is going to tie into this at all, because apparently they're going on at the same time. So it's just kind of weird, I guess. But... It because they're doing Venomverse and we didn't know who the Venom was in Venomverse and now Eddie Brock has Venom. It it's I think it's pretty obvious who Venom's gonna be through Venomverse. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, dude. Because, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna have an Eddie Brock Venomverse. Honestly, now, especially with the end of the newest issue. So now, real quick here, I, there's a couple things I just wanted to bring up. Um, newsworthy-ish stuff. Um, did you guys hear? That at C two E two this week, this past weekend, um, Marvel was telling fans how to get their books signed by artists and writers. What do you like mean? Instructions? So, so kinda. So, I read this article online. Um, it's from I think it was Bleeding Cool, which you know they're hit and miss sometimes with their articles. Source. Yeah, they're hit and miss sometimes, but apparently, like this person was actually there. Like, they were one of the people that were waiting in line to meet Jason Aaron. Mm. And you know, a lot of collectors, um, Red knows for sure. You're a CGC guy. A lot mm. of collectors they tape off sections of the comic um, for the artist to sign specifically. Like they wanted to sign in specific spots. Right. My personal feeling is it's your comic. They should sign where you want it. That's just my sure. personal thought. But um, so th- there was people in line, and they said like I guess they store them like in mylar bags and things too, because sometimes the the creators can sometimes manhandle the comic and stuff. Yeah, so like, like hardcore fingers or something. Yeah, what so I've like seen, hardcore uh, collectors are very very like no, I in this bag yeah. it's got this. You know, they cut out the little rectangle. They cut out the corner, yeah, and then they tape around it. That's what I've mm-hmm. seen too. Now. Yep, exactly. So there's a bunch of people in line uh, ready to meet Jason Aaron, and they a lot of these are collectors that are going to get things CGC graded or et cetera, and they had it all taped out and whatnot. And Marvel, and a Marvel, not Jason Aaron, it was not him, um, but a Marvel handler uh, came around the corner and told everybody in line that they are not allowed to tape off their anything. They're not allowed to... Um, put them in bags or anything like that. They just need to just hand him just a straight up floppy of the copy of it. Just, you know, fresh copy and and he'll sign it wherever he signs it. And that's what you're going to get because they're wanting, uh, real fans to get it. Not, uh, not like signature hunters and collectors. They want real fans. And those are fans. And that, yeah, that pissed off a lot of people, apparently. Um, if they weren't fans, they wouldn't be there. Like, they... Well, there's those people that are fans that are just very specific on what they want, and that's fine. But then there are those that are only going to get stuff signed because they're going to turn around and flip it on eBay, which I think is where the big issue lies and that's why they were like you know we want real fans not people that are but who are you my thing is who are you to make that judgment call Mm -hmm. 
you know, and the thing is, you know, you won't know who the difference between those two are, anyways. Because I tell you what, I have a comic that I want to get signed, and when I do, I want to sign in a particular location. And yeah. the thing is, though, also you got to think some of those comics, the way they get handled by uh, writers, they got dirty fingers. If you want to get that CDC graded, you can have to have to have a CDC representative right next to you to witness it. But in that process, you can get it knocked down from your nine point eight to a nine point six, like that. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. because of the signature of of them dinging the corners or putting fingerprints on it. Yeah, I mean they're handling markers and stuff all day. They're probably probably got it on their fingers. Like it's bound yeah. to happen. Yeah, so it's yeah. I found that That's funny nice. today. That was that was kind of a big thing, I guess, that uh C two E two this year was Marvel handlers were saying, you know, let did you hear about sign wherever. Did you hear about Rob Liefeld? Yeah, he can't. Yeah, he canceled his panel. Hmm. He canceled the question in A. I don't know why. Um, there was because uh, God, who was it? Somebody else canceled the panel or canceled not a panel, but their appearance. Um, Jeff Lemire canceled his appearance at C two E two. Oh C2E2. man, that's um, a bummer. Well, they said a, he said he was very ill and he was very sorry that he couldn't make it. Um, and they said like rumors were that he had like gotten food poisoning. And so he wasn't able to attend due to that, which, you know, fair enough. But to my knowledge, there wasn't a reason, like, there hasn't been a a known reason, I should say, as to why Rob canceled. I haven't read anything stating, like, he was sick or he just doesn't care about you. Like, I, I have no idea. No, like, nobody cares. I, I saw a few uh, tweets from him, though. What did it say? Thing, like, uh, from, it was just, like, talking about just, random stuff with his fans i guess and whatnot just answering people so there was nothing so, about the q a no it was no. he didn't say i didn't see anything from the so Q&A. it was like I it mean, was canceled so it was like it was canceled and they're just gonna ignore the fact that it was ever going on yeah. maybe speaking also with marvel they put out this last week that they have this marvel Conversable, they call it. So basically, off of Twitter or Facebook, you can chat now with Spider-Man in regards to the whole Secret Empire, and you can chat no about way. Hydra and Captain America and all this stuff. And they're supposed to be really funny, really, uh, you know, you know, Spider-Man's sense of humor. So he's supposed to chat back with you, and he's going to be doing lots of games and things that you can interact with. All right, that's really cool. I'll give it to yes. Marvel for that one. That is pretty yeah. cool. And how cool would it be to have that job? Like, you're part of, like, the Marvel social media desk, and you're just the ones, like, responding back as Spider-Man, trying to think of clever things to say or whatever. Like, that would be a lot of fun. It would be. It would, and I'll, just I'll let be Chip honest. take control of it. Oh, my they God. They probably oh, did. It probably, did you guys, <laughs> probably his idea. Did you guys see the pictures of Chip at C2E2? No, he yeah. was wearing the, the yoga pants. The yep. starry yoga pants. <laughs> it was, oh my God, you see that picture and you're just like, oh, I can't take that image out of my head now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the people in the line room got a photo with him and he's all up on the pajama, That's like, great. yep, the yoga pants or whatever. Now, Red, did you, did you read uh, Nick Fury? I have not had a chance, uh, okay. I'll be honest. I, I've been too busy killing spider, <laughs> the silver fish, yeah, to, get, to get all the reading, true reading done that I wanted. What else um, you guys, what else did you guys read this week? Well, before we get into that, I have to right. have to bring up have to bring it up the also the announcement of Spider Man Spider Men Two by Marvel. Yeah, I think I saw this, folks. something about that. Yeah, it was in our newsletter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they they announced uh, I forget when they said it was uh, May or June or something like that that that's uh, kicking off again. 
So I know you like Spider-Man. I do. And I'll definitely be reading that and giving it a, giving it a shot anyway and seeing how it goes. Because I remember I was kind of skeptical about Spider-Verse when it came out. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. I love Spider-Verse. It was so good. Um, so that's why I'm really, really geeked about Venom-Verse. I'm hoping it's sort of the same type of thing. It's, it's like, as good as that. We'll see. But, um, yeah, no. That's, how that's, long will it run? Yeah. Did you guys yeah. also hear real quick one last thing about Marvel? Uh, they're going back to original numbering. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll they're see going how many back weeks. to original we'll numbering. So, so I think that means, control. so from what I understand, that means they're going to go back to like Amazing Spider-Man 701, 702, mm-hmm. like it's going to continue. Um, My interesting thing is because, I mean, speaking of Venom, the next issue is issue 150. So I'm wondering if because it's Eddie Brock now and if they keep him it, they'll continue it from 150 and be like 151, 152. Well, they said that they're going back to the, the legacy <clears throat> numbering. So, so if you remember in the 80s, a lot of the series they they started over again. It's like Spider Man, for example. I forget what number it stopped at, and then it uh, picked up with a new Spider Man number one. And then after a few years, I think after like issue thirty five or something like that, they started the series all over again with original numbering. But they counted those like thirty five issues or whatever it was. That's as what DC part did. Of yeah. So instead of going from seven. What do you say it was, um, Venom? Seven. Oh, yeah, Venom would be 150. It's going to be 150 next. So it might start it, off at one 157 is what they might do. Yeah. No, like the next issue is literally supposed to be like the 150th Venom issue. So instead of Spider-Man 700, it might be Spider... Or 701, it might be Spider-Man 740 yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. That would make more sense. But yeah, that's and what I, DC did with Action and uh, Detective. Mm-hmm. That's what I. It's gonna now. be weird for the you know the fans that get into it like a couple years down the road, ten years from now, and they're like, okay, why did this happen? You well, know? they did. They did it with uh, Wolverine, Jason Aaron's Wolverine yeah. run. They did it in the middle of that one too. So I mean, they yeah, did it to the weird. Avengers. They did it to um, Spider Man. They did Fantastic it to Captain Four. America. All Fantastic Four. Yeah, they did it to all those big names back mm-hmm. in the eighties. Well, I mean, you could even say that with, like, X-Men, too, with all the, like, reprint issues they did, they counted or whatever. I was like, whatever. The problem is there's, like, so many X-Men books. There's, like, where are you even at now in X-Men? Is there even an uncanny X-Men anymore? Like, is that even a thing? No, as of right now, there is no uncanny X-Men. That's a good point, because all these books that are out, for instance, okay, tell me, who's the, what, what, what is the Avengers? What team is the Avengers? Who's on the team? Spider-Man, I think like Miss Marvel's on there, Wasp, mm-hmm. Hercules, Which I think. Which series? Thor. Yeah, this, the Mark that's the Wade thing. There's, yeah, they've there's had, so many. They're putting too many Avengers titles out there, and every title has a different team. Yeah. They need to bring back the the like Avengers Avengers, the West Coast Avengers, and the Great Lakes Avengers, and that's all you need. Well, they have well, Great Lakes Avengers right now is not that good, man. <laughs> gonna, that is pretty bad comic. Yeah. Well, it always has that. been. Great Lakes Avengers has always kind of been uh, like a joke comic. I'll say they put out some really cool covers that are clever. Like they did a cover a few weeks back where it was um, uh, what's his name, Flatman or whatever. Uh, and anyways, he, it was just a big picture of his face on the cover, like flat, and he was like, shh. I'm pretending to be a comic book cover. And that was the whole cover. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is clever. Okay, this yeah. is cool. All right, that's you know? awesome. 
Yeah. And, uh, speaking of Marvel, also another new number one coming out next month uh, for Luke Cage. Yeah, I did see I, that email. Uh, yeah. You know what? This is the thing. You know, I thought the Netflix show and everything was cool. And, you know, I like his character in a few different storylines. I like what he did in Age of Ultron, kind of just sacrificing himself and stuff. But, like, his solo comics, I don't know. I just can't get into them. Uh, I don't know why. You know what's funny? I've never read Age of Ultron. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're not missing much. Well, but here's the thing. That's why I've been told that. That's why I've never read it. However, our good buddy Nova here um, is is gifting me some custom binds, and apparently one of the binds is like a Marvel event book, with, and, and Age of Ultron's in it. So I will read it um and in this bind so eventually i will i'm going to read it i'm excited to hear what you think about the craptastic ending well i I kept wanting to read it because i thought it was gonna be but everybody's kept talking smack about it so i was like well i'm not gonna touch this then if it's not good like i have other things to read it is really good until the end oh like it is it is pretty damn good until the end i was like okay how's this gonna end and then they cop out. It's just one big cop out at the end. It's like he didn't know how to end it. And so, yeah, you'll see. What yeah, a, Nova's Nova, sitting what other here ev- like, what oh, my God. What other events are in that book? It's just uh, Age of Ultron and Original Sin. I did read Original Sin. I did read that one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I guess we'll see what you have to say about Age of Ultron if you yeah. ever read it. Yeah, I'll read it. It's a gift, sir. I gotta read it. It's part of Marvel continuity that still gets brought up, so it's important to read. But at the same time, it's disappointing. All right, Rusty. I know. We know you've been waiting to talk about it. You had you had a Venom issue that came out. Oh yes. You don't even know, man. Like it is everything (laughs) that I wanted in a Venom issue, basically. And a bag of chips. (laughs) And a bag of chips for what I wanted. I mean, the art was still y'all, you know, the the crazy over muscular stuff. But Mm -hmm. Eddie Brock, man, came out of left field and he's been working for the government and he broke the government agent's neck that was watching Venom. And was just, and he just took him. Like, it was just that simple. Like, for almost over two to three years now, he's been working for the government. Then out of nowhere, he gets his opportunity to get the Venom symbiote back. And he does it without hesitation. Eddie Brock is just like, Haha, you won't let me see the, the symbiote? Crack, break your neck. And, and it's not even like him with this, any symbiote at all. It's just human Eddie Brock just walks up and just destroys this guy. And then he gets the symbiote leaves the place lee price gets arrested and you we don't have to see i don't know if we're gonna see the old the guy who had the suit but he's just out of the picture like he got arrested at the beginning of the comic and then you didn't see him for the rest of the comic and it was just like this is great this is all about eddie brock having the suit and even then they even went into a thing where um spot he basically tricked peter parker spider-man into capturing the suit for him so the suit would not be mad at eddie for taking him off of the new guy but got mad at spider-man or peter parker for capturing him again so the suit has this hate for peter all over again because he's just like you're the guy that imprisoned me and tried to send me back to the government to be alone by myself when i don't want to be alone 
And then Eddie Brock comes out of nowhere and is like, I'm going to break you out and takes the suit back. And it's just like, it's like it never even left off after that. We got Eddie Brock being like his original self, you know, just kind of the anti-hero. And you got the Venom suit not wanting to be like a full-blown hero whiny thing anymore. So it kind of just flipped everything. And the next issue, like I said, is the Venom 150. Eddie Brock left the the current issue with the suit. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here and if he's going to keep the suit or not. If he keeps the suit, I think that a lot of people will be happy. A lot of people that I know that are big like symbiote fans like me and stuff are really into this comic. And I mean, whenever they read this issue, especially shout out to Brendan on Line Room, he messaged me after I said I read it and he was like, is it good? And I told him about it. And he's like, I'm going to go read it right now. And it wasn't even like 13, 15 minutes later. He's like, oh my gosh, this is like, just like you said, everything I could want in a symbiote issue. And I mean, that's the thing. If they're smart about it, they'll keep Eddie in the suit for a while just to kind of give us our nostalgia. I mean, they're selling us the comic through nostalgia, obviously. But I mean, I feel like they have a lot to build off of right now. And it's just like a new beginning. Eddie hasn't had the suit in forever. So, I mean, it's like, why not? It's not like something that's been overdone now. He hasn't had the symbiote Venom in forever. So why not do it? You know, it's been over like, what? I don't know. I don't know when he lost it. It was back in like 99, 2000, something like that. Maybe 2001. So it, it's been a long time. It, it doesn't feel old. It, I mean, it just feels fresh again. So very cool issue. Very, very cool issue. Highly recommend it. I mean, you kind of have to read the rest of the stuff before it, which wasn't that great. But I mean, once I got to that and that kind of put the cherry on top of it for me like it wasn't a waste of time anymore but i mean it did take i guess like six seven issues so wow there you have folks yeah there you go so what do you think of the generation x coming out i'm stoked on that i mean we're gonna have i guess jubilee uh running the group which doesn't make i mean it makes sense i mean she's older now she was one of the original generation x members why not um if we get chamber in it that's gonna be dope but i mean it's gonna be whole new group of x-men hoping that it's a lot a lot of new faces so we kind of get like that new mutants generation x vibe like we used to or like i guess all new x-men or whatever the one that introduced like um uh, glob and all them into it you know that that was kind of like a fresh start i guess uh, ecstatics i guess was kind of something like that two tap right or it was like a whole new group of people basically yeah ecstatics was originally um was it x-force, X-Force or x-factor right? i always get them confused yeah it was originally it was X-Force. x-force and then uh they kind of spun off the title because it was all new um, completely newly created uh, mutants and whatnot, and so they they spun it off of that and named it Ecstatics instead. Um, there's, I think there was something with the Marvel higher ups about using the name X Force or something too. I don't recall the whole story, but anyway, uh, yeah. But Ecstatics is a completely different thing, and from what I've read of Ecstatics, I have the Omni. I haven't read the whole thing yet though, but from what I have read of it, um, it's really good. <laughs> Uh, they kind of poke fun at it's uh, Peter Milligan and Mike Allred, and they poke fun at a uh, re- reality TV and you know all sorts of things that were becoming big, like in the early two thousands, and kind of poking fun at pop culture in general. And it's dark, but it's funny. 
That's cool. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. With this new generation X-Book, I'm hoping it's like a whole new group of uh, mutants. I mean, I think they've unveiled a few, and I mean, I'm not super familiar with any of the ones that they've talked about, so I don't know if they're brand new or if they've been around for a while. You know, if they have been around for a while, uh, you know, comment on this. You know, let, let us know on Facebook or Twitter or Line or however you're listening to this or, you know, get a hold of us, whatever. But uh, I'm really hoping that they introduce a bunch or at least a few new mutants and we kind of get this uh, vibe of like, you know, the new generation. I know one of the people that are going to be in it, though, is uh, Quentin Choir, which I'm kind of excited about because they haven't been using him a whole lot. And um, I mean, I guess he was like the Phoenix for a while and he's like this super powerful telepath, telekinetic, whatever, like a young, rebellious male Jean Grey or something like that and um i'm kind of excited for him to be in it i hope to see chamber um but yeah i really just hope they introduce some new characters in it that you know might end up being the new generation of mutants and x-men and stuff you know well jason aaron said at the c2e2 panel this weekend that uh marvel while continuing to focus on diversity and things like that they were still going to work on bringing in a lot of brand new characters um that are diverse in ethnicities and things like that but they're going to bring in new characters rather than uh rehashing characters we know and love like our biggest complaint has been you want to make uh you want to bring in like a muslim character a black character or an asian character or whatever that's great but create a new one don't say Mm -hmm. here's captain america now don't say here's so-and-so um you know here's lady thor like just create a new character and apparently that's kind of what they're gonna be doing so you might get actually a lot of new characters in that generation x what's wrong red all right i'm gonna throw it out there i talked before i mentioned briefly before that my thought on marvel i'm gonna throw this out you tell me what you think all right so if you've been following the information about this whole diversity thing, it's a lot of it's coming from the comic book store saying that the diversity is bringing down the sales of Marvel in their shops, right? And I've done some homework. I've been, I've been looking. Do you realize Marvel's sales really haven't dropped all that much, and they're still the number one publisher out of all the companies? And they've never um, dropped to number two out of any month out of all their sales. Okay. On top of that. Um, I've looked into the last 18 months of Marvel. 18 months, they've come out with 108 new number one issues. Yeah. Okay. Out of those, 25 of them have already been dropped. Yep. Okay. Um, recently, we Nova had... Was, s- Nova? Yeah, they're like, ending Nova. At yep, number seven? Nova. Crazy. Now, it, and they're all, uh, most of them all have been dying between six and six and ten. Um, look at Star Lord, okay? Yeah, new movie just come out. They drop it at issue six. Um, something's wrong with that picture, if you ask me. All right. Yeah. My whole philosophy on this is they are dropping out an average of six new number ones a month, okay? At five dollars an issue. Okay. Easy. Okay. And if you look at all of the um, past publicity stuff. They only average one to two mentions of a new series on the average. If you mention, like, Luke Cage, we talk about that today. They just dropped that information. It comes out in May. I guarantee you'll probably only see one more thing about the new series, Luke Cage. Don't you think typically you would, a series like that you would see a lot more information on? Or they're not doing that because they're pumping out too much stuff too fast. Readers cannot 
fall in love with the storyline or the character or anything else involved into it, then some of the stuff may cross over. And so oh, then yeah. they pump out too many number ones at $5 a pop. In today's economy, who can, at 108 new number ones, spend 5 bucks a pop for all of those damn series plus the ones that are already running? Then, you, like I say, you got too many series at a too high of a cost because I can I picked up four issues of Secret Empire for 20 bucks when I could have gotten six issues of Image for the same price. Or do well, you or, want Yeah, or DC at 3 Yeah, or DC. $3. Do you want do you want four Marvel comics or do you want six or four or six um, DC or Image comics? So now you have Marvel, basically the problem is that they're losing the sales. It's not that they're dropping too many issues because those issues aren't selling because they're not being advertised. They cost too much, and there's too many other number ones coming out because let's let's be honest. Right now, the comic book industry has us brainwashed to believe that when a number one drops, you have to buy it because it might be worth more money one day. And the tr simple truth of the fact is that really hardly ever happens anymore. So well, I mean, pumping out. The numbers, sorry, the numbers we see also are just what comic shops are buying, right? We don't know what people are actually going and what inventory the shops have left. Um, you can actually get that information, and comic book uh, uh, C CBR actually does a great job of putting out that information for you. You can find out the direct sales for every issue from every publisher all the time. To and on the like what the stores are selling as well. Uh, no, what the stores have picked up, basically right. all, yeah. So but yeah, but I'm just saying, who knows yeah. what's left on the shelf at the end of the month? Exactly, what's left on the shelf. So most um, comic book stores are ordering basically a little bit over their pull list yeah. because they know they don't want to get stuck with crap, which happens because when you have six new number ones being published a month by Marvel, come on, there's gonna be sitting on the shelf rotting, decaying. So. To me, the diversity is not a problem because when I t said that there was 25 issues that have already been dropped, none of those were basically in in the interest of diversity. They weren't issue. They were all I mean, like Nova, Starlet. We're talking white males. These aren't diverse issues that are being canceled. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of bad storytelling has to do with that fact, and I guess mm -hmm. Tap can can either confirm or deny my next point but at this point i think marvel's lost people like tap just you know he he's found a new home with dc you you've mm -hmm. said before that you used to love marvel you used to be all marvel oh all day. yeah i was a diehard marvel and Same i here. never would read dc unless it was a batman title yeah and now it seems like people are sort of drifting away which is fine if there's new people you know if there's new readers if there's a new audience going to marvel i guess that's cool but yeah that point about it being expensive like especially in canada Every basically a four ninety nine issue is a five ninety nine issue here, just because of the currency exchange. Then you're including thirteen percent tax on top of that in Ontario. It's I I couldn't afford. It. It's crazy. Like it's like ten dollars. I could buy a large five topping pizza with that money. I'm not going to buy the comic book. See, all Marvel really <clears throat> truly needs to do is narrow it down, stop dropping so much new crap, and stick to great storytelling in what they currently have. And give us a characters that we grow and fall in love with, especially the newer generation. Because really, think about it. Uh, some of these, can you tell me, you know, what's, like I said, asked before, who's the current um, Avenger team? There's too many of them. And today's generation, they probably couldn't tell you 10 years from now, oh yeah, in the 2017, this was the current team. They're not going to remember. There's too much, too much 
stuff going on. Narrow it down and give us just great long stories and arcs that we can fall in love with. Anyways, I'm off my soapbox. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's fine. <laughs> I actually got to get going here in a minute. But it's very well freaking said, and he, you have a very valid point. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I really hope that somebody that has some say-so in the higher ranks hears this and or sees it themselves and starts changing because you have some very valid points. Yeah. But that's Marvel. That's Screw DC. It. You know, I know you have to go, but we got we got two other publishers we'll push through real quick because I know you read this. Redneck. Oh God, yes, 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 yes. Image. Donny Cates. Image. Oh. Redneck. Uh, vampires and it's Texas, isn't it? Doesn't it take place in Texas. Yeah, Texas. Yeah. Texas. Vampires. Redneck, redneck vampires. vampires in Texas. Oh, it's, uh, awesome. I didn't know how I was gonna feel about it initially, but by the end of that title. I mean, there's only one yeah. issue out currently, and by the end of that issue, I was hooked. Yes. I was like, oh, God, this is so good. I know. So, so good. Yeah, no, I'm a, a, I'm a very big did, fan. Yeah, they did a great job with it. I can't wait to read more of that. Um, Selling off the shelves, man. That comic is hot right oh, now. Well, not only did it sell off the shelves, it's already gone into second printing, and that was within three days. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So incredibly good. Yeah. Um, and Donny Cates is the one that was also doing God Country, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. My head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, He's doing like God Country. He did Paybacks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's... I'm not... I only recently became familiar with who he is as a writer, but so far, I... Because I'm a huge fan of God Country as well. I think issue four dropped this week. Is it issue four? Yeah, four. Yeah. I'm a yeah, I'm a huge fan of God Country as well. I actually want to go back and reread the uh not reread, but read the paybacks. Um I kinda wanna explore some of his other work because I am uh I am a fan of what he does so far. Mm-hmm. It's it's been so yeah. he's so fun to read. You know, he really is. Really, really un- great. Um other than that, image saga issue forty three is gonna be dropping soon. And they're gonna be bringing it out for twenty five cents. Oh, just I think for I'm the twenty one issue seventeen or something yeah. like that. But yeah, but no. <laughs> for all you out there who like saga, I gotta have my saga. Twenty five cents to celebrate twenty five years of image. So another one cheap comic to be looking for. So if you can't afford those four ninety nine issues, you can get one for a quarter. <laughs> oh, that's um, very cool. What else was it? Saga? Uh, not saga. Um, uh, God, what is it? Spawn. These guys see the six new um. Variant covers for Spawn that are coming out across the uh, different series. Yeah, they look mm-hmm. great. Oh, God, those look good. I can't wait to pick those up. You need yeah. to hurry up and just read the new Spawn series, right? It's actually getting kind of good, and the art looks pretty damn well. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> it's on the uh, to-do list. But, oh, well. Uh, trying to think what else was out there. I can't even think right now. Um, I hate Fairyland 12. 12. Yeah. Yep, yep. I got the variant cover for that one, too. That was pretty cool. Oh god, I hate Fairyland was a good one this time too. Yeah, yeah, it was. Also, I, ninja. I love I hate Fairyland. Yeah, she's a samurai, not a ninja. Samurai. Ninja samurai. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You did correct me. Yes, yeah, Sam. Well, samurai. no, it's funny because she keeps saying ninja in the book, and uh, he's like, "No, you're a samurai." Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was great. Um, oh, and that's what Exo Man of War number one. As I'm sure some of you know that uh, God, that one to. Uh, I forget how many printings now. Fourth? I think one millionth? Five printing. hundredth? Yeah, no doubt. 
no, four, I think it was fourth printing, but it's like the number one uh, selling selling uh, comic in, right now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. ninety thousand sold, and the average Marvel was a uh, fifty three, fifty three thousand is the average Marvel title. Wow, that tells dope. you something. You know something else that came out this week that's really good. Hmm. House number three. Yes. What? Yeah. Speaking of house number three, stay tuned. Welcome, listeners, and prepare yourself for this podcast. That creak in the attic, that whisper under your bed, will be nothing compared to our guests tonight, Drew Zecker and Philip Sevy of The House. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, thanks, man. How's it going? Going great. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) The mood of the rest of the night. Well done. I don't know how we're going to match that <laughs> oh my god i mean come on your book alone matches that and more my goodness the <laughs> so house good. it is wonderful Ooh. oh thank you thank you uh, yes that is definitely a unanimous thing among probably all four of us right now is, is we were all crazy about this title and we've actually been looking forward to having you both come on to talk about it yes very much so yeah so we got what it's three issues. Actually, I think you gave us a copy of the third issue, but I don't think it's dropped yet. If that, if well, correctly. it'll drop by the time this podcast comes out. Okay, good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So our listeners will be able to dive into all of them and enjoy it as much as everybody else has. Mm-hmm. So for those that aren't familiar with the house, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Where do you want us to start? Hmm. How did you come up with the idea? That's what I want to know. Um, that's a good one. Let me give you a quick description of what it is for the listeners, and then I'll throw it over to Drew. He's actually the uh, the brainchild behind the story Ooh. here. Um, but the house is a uh, is a is a World War II horror story. It follows a squadron of U.S. soldiers during the Battle of the Bulge, which is roughly December twentieth, nineteen forty four. They are lost in the woods. Um, as a snowstorm gets worse and worse, they seek uh, refuge in an abandoned German manor house they find in the woods. Uh, once they get inside, things just start to go bad, and there's probably a reason it's abandoned in the middle of the woods. So I can probably leave it at that. Very cool. Awesome. Um, Drew, why don't you tell us about uh, where all this came from? Oh, unless so, you have a question. Okay. Uh, no, so the, this whole story uh, was born out of... Uh, I went through a rough period with a friend of mine, and I basically came up with the story about how you quantify your your guilt and your own kind of self-loathing about certain relationships you have. Uh, when I initially came up with the idea, the the story was very much what you guys have read. It's more or less stayed the same. Uh, there was an, another writer attached to it initially. That writer had never written a comic in his life, and it showed, and it went nowhere. And I think maybe two months after that fell apart, I met Phil. And basically since 2010, I think, me and him have been attached to this kind of, whether we liked it or not, we've, we've both been working away on it. So that, that's more or less where it came from. It was kind of, how do you tell the, how do you take the most over, like, if you look at something like Alien, where they took an overdone genre and told the best possible story they could in that genre, that's more or less what this book was aiming to do. 
Yeah, and when Drew approached me, he was like, uh, hey, do you write? We, we met each other. We are both artists, and we both attended the Savannah College of Art and Design. Uh, and I'd love to write. I'd been writing longer uh, at a more professional level than I felt I had been drawing. And he was like, yeah, it's a horror book about a haunted house, uh, which is something I'd wanted to do for a long time anyways. I'd actually just finished uh, Mark Danielewski's House of Leafs, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal book, one of the best haunted house books ever. Uh, and that was a little bit inside my brain. And, and there's a little bit of it left in the house there. Um, not as much as there was initially, but we just got to town and clicked on the concept pretty quick. We've been working on it for six and a half years now. When, when I offered, when I floated it to Phil about whether or not he wanted to do it, I didn't actually think anything would really come of it. He, he was interested in it, but we had only met for the first time at uh, that comic con. And then all of a sudden I had a 12 page treatment from him that took the story and ran with it in a completely like different direction than I could have ever thought. So after, you know, reading 12 pages of his thoughts on it, I was like, oh, okay, I guess, uh, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> so taking it back a little bit, uh, growing up, uh, what kind of horror were you guys into that kind of, I guess, maybe even struck you to come up with this idea for the book? Uh, Phil, you want to go first? Sure. I've been a huge horror fan my whole life. I grew up in a household where a lot of it wasn't really allowed, so that made it all the more fun. But, you know, in elementary school, like Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamal's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark books were hugely influential. There's another trilogy similar that no one's ever heard of. So, so listeners, Google this, buy them on Amazon. They're called The Scariest Stories You've Ever Heard, part one, two, and three. And they're little, short, small like elementary school level books, but they're so fantastic. They're so creepy. Uh, whereas, you know, Schwartz and Gamel's books had, you know, some were like funny stories and some were scary stories and some were limericks and some, there was such a, a nice variety of stuff. These are all really creepy, uh, great books that got inside my head. And I think that's where I consumed a lot of my horror growing up was through scary stories, those books and like fear street and RL Stein. And I used to read goosebumps one a day for fun. And, uh, I, I think I read my first Stephen King book when I was 11 years old. Um, and it's just kind of warped me ever since. Um, so that's kind of what got me into horror. And of course I've, as I've gotten older, I have a more horror movies than any other type of movie and Halloween is, is the Christmas of my year. So it's just kind of, that's where I live at for fun. So to be able to work in the genre, uh, dip our toe in is, is fantastic and, and such a challenge for, for people like us who love horror so much. How about you, Drew? Um, when I was a kid, I was terrified of everything. I horror was not my favorite thing. I actually, I have very specific memories of being terrified of the xenomorph being behind the door in my bedroom. That was, that was my big thing. The irony being that alien is probably one of my all time favorite movies ever now, uh, which my mother cannot figure out how that happened. But for me, I kind of found horror at a, uh, at a later age, more in my teenage years. And my big thing was I found it through movies. So for me, it was alien. It was, uh, it was the thing was a big one for me. Like just, I remember sitting through, I found it by accident and was sitting through it. And it's just like, this is, if this is what horror is, I want to do this. So, uh, for me, it was mostly through movies. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Uh, 
influenced me in a way that like very subconsciously I went back to it recently and watched a few episodes and was like, it doesn't quite hold up, but I, I see where the influence definitely, you know, put itself into what I like to write, read and draw now. I was going to say, all awesome. the old uh, Goosebumps shows are actually back on uh, Netflix right now. So yeah. like the original yeah. Goosebumps, I've been watching those with my eight-year-old, and he, I finally got him hooked, I think. <laughs> not scared the pants off of him? No, he loves that stuff. He, I've, I've actually shown him, like, straight-up horror movies, <laughs> and he's he's all about it. He, he just doesn't like child's play because he's afraid Chucky's going to get him in his sleep. <laughs> uh, when, when, he get, when he gets older, he'll realize how stupid it actually is. I don't know, man. That first Probably. child's place creepy, man. That first one's great. <laughs> I know, right? I love the joke it becomes later, but it's, you know, it's like the Nightmare on Elm Street. The first oh, one is so straight up fantastic, yes. and they just get jokier as you go along. But, but I still. love the jokes. It's so yeah. great. Robert England. <laughs> Robert England. Yeah. Yes. He can pop them off, man. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love his one liners. <laughs> So, like we said before, we've gotten to read all three issues of, of The House, and it is absolutely amazing. Um, I really, really, really dig it. And I know you said it's probably going to be like around a seven-issue mini. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Correct, yes. We were th- we were talking about this, and th- I'm sure this idea has already come up with you guys. I'm sure this isn't like an original idea of ours. But we were talking shortly before this, and we said that we could see this being like an anthology TV show almost along the lines of like American horror story where each it's like a different decade and you get to experience the different decades within the house. So is there, is that a possibility and, or is it a possibility to continue this as like an anthology comic book series where you get different decades of the house? I think it's a really cool idea. I think we've had talked similar things here and there. I think it really kind of depends on our ability to find a way to revisit the house uh, at different time eras, but tell different stories. Like Drew pointed out, there's such a, a personal heart to this story um, that that brought him, you know, that helped him come up with the idea and then brought me in. We'd need to find uh, another story to tell so it doesn't feel like it's retreading the same thing. Um, but we've had such yeah. a fun time with it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, on that thought, because I was kind of curious, I'd like to know more about uh, what happened in Belgium in 1476 in the beginning of the first <laughs> issue. And then, yeah, you and me both. Yeah, and then you had that little book in there, you know, you know, the Journal of Ethan Wilde from mm-hmm. 1976. I'm yeah. like, okay, what happened five years later with this journal? And then it breaks off into World War II, and it kind of left me hanging there to where I had to do a Google search even to find out, okay, is there even any information about this journal? <laughs> uh, I, I yeah. just have to say I'm really glad that's not just me because that, that opening uh, segment went through – a few very major changes um, to the point that at one point it was only two pages long. And I don't think a lot of uh, the journal stuff was even in there. Uh, I I said we had drawn almost the entire first issue. I had to take a break to go work on something else. And when I came back to the book, I sat down with what I had done and ended up re-thumbing out the entire opening and it turned into this like eight page little comic and Phil just kind of wrote this, uh, this journal entry on top of it. So I, you know, somehow had never quite read the dialogue. 
which was my bad, but it worked out because when I got it, I read the entire thing and I went and Googled it. I was like, you know, this is, I, I asked him, did you rip this off from somewhere? And said, Boy, if you still, didn't, it felt like it, didn't it? Yeah, I was like, if you didn't, this is the best thing you've ever read. Cause it scared. I, I, I've written, I I'm involved with the thing. It scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so that being said, where did you get this idea? Uh, just about the, the journal in the, in the beginning of the story. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was kind of like Drew said, Drew drew that whole uh, opening scene and I needed something to go with it. And it was really I really just enjoy stories, especially in comics. It's great because you can juxtapose the written word versus the the visual image. And it's I hate redundancy where you have narration that's describing what you can already see. I'm like, I've got a great artist. I don't need to describe what's happening for there. It was just a different way to look at and also to help expand the mythos of the house to set the stage really early on that it's not just happened before and it's not just happening now it's this thing that happens to different people at all different times so we're seeing these these two um essentially criminals stumble upon this cottage in the woods but we're also reading the diary uh about two uh, about other people who were involved in it and then we we flash forward to 1944 and it just all these different ways i really wanted to get a nice kind of creepy uh, uh, foundation established so that you could see like we have this story, but it's bigger than this story. There's more going on. So we might we might get to that story someday. Again, it just kind of depends if we can find a way to tell a story that has an emotional resonance to us, but also examines what's come before in a different way. It'd be hard to be like the same story every seven issues where people get lost in the house and all sorts of creepy stuff happens and it's just finding a, a way to 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 make it personal to us, and I think that gives us the energy to to push forward. Like I said, it's been by the time everything's said and done, it will have been seven years working on the story, and a lot of it was in an you know obscurity where it was just me and him, just Drew and I working the whole time with no one really ever seeing what's happening or what's coming together, other than like it's coming. I promise yeah. you, at some point, we'll have this done. <laughs> we, 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 we kind of looked like liars for a few years until it started <laughs> popping up. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this story so far is right up my alley. I'm not a big horror guy. I know Tap and Rusty love their horror movies and horror comics and whatnot, but it's hard for me to get into one. But again, that opening sequence, I'm glad Red brought it up because that, that did it for me. That was stuff that I always see in like Mike Mignola comics or... Mm -hmm. um, even oh, yeah. Lock and Key had that whole history aspect to it. And that just expands the universe so much already. Like just the idea that there's so much history there without even having to explain it in the future is already so, you know, there's so many questions and stories you even make up in your own mind, you know, as you go along. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about horror is that the more that you can make in your own mind without having it spelled out, the more impactful it'll be. And without... Yeah. Without spoiling anything, there might be one or two moments where we look back at the larger mythos here by the time we yeah. get to the end. Just, you know, throw that out there. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, like, there, there is a little bit of that. Uh, but, it, yeah, no, it's... I, I'm lucky that me and me and Phil are both very much in the same wavelength of the horror that we love. You know, horror is a gigantic genre all on its own. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people have a hard time finding their way into horror because they're only exposed to one kind. Our experience with it has been that 
there are people that don't necessarily like the book, but we kind of get why. That if you come to it with a preconceived notion of what you want your horror to be, and it isn't that, then you, you have a hard time coming along for the ride. But if it's exactly what you're looking for and shoots up your alley, then it, it's going to hit all the notes that you want. See, that's something that I wanted to point out. And we talked about it. Another thing we talked about a little bit is that, you know, the book has a little bit of everything for everyone. It has like a supernatural aspect. It has this creepy house, you know, in the woods. There's um, a little bit of gore in it, you know, and then there's a bunch of mystery and suspense. So, I mean, you're sitting on something that like spans across all the horror genres, too. Mm -hmm. And some good old gun violence. Yeah, Uh, that's what Red likes. There there is that. Yeah, because, you know, kind of bouncing off of both what uh, Rusty and Nova said, you know, I, like Nova, I'm not a big horror fan, but the, the beginning of the first um, book really drew me in, and it I love mystery, and I love my war uh, comics, and it really it had so much stuff in there that it's like, oh, wow, I, I want to keep reading. You know, I've, I've had, after I finished, you know, the third um, book, I was like, I'm ready for number four, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. There's something in there for everybody, really, and if even if you're not a fan of the horror, when you read this, it's like, Wow, it gets you hooked because it's just so well written, and Very not clever. only that, but, but the, the way it's drawn because so much storytelling is also done in the art, which I love as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's we're yeah. we're very proud of the work. Um, yeah. Drew right now is over halfway through the last issue, and issue four is all done. It's already into Comicsology. It should be out in a couple of weeks, and five's being colored and like. We're we're quite well ahead on it, but it's so it's very exciting to finally see it out and yeah. see people reacting to it. That's part of where the the seven years has come from is that we we made a very conscious decision of we don't want to start releasing this thing until we're almost at the end because we're aware that this has been a labor intensive book for on both ends from, you know, from the writing end, from the art end, from the production. And it, it's taking a little more time than we would like, but it's been kind of worth, worth the wait. So we figured just sit on everything that we had, make sure it's all there. So now by the time the, I guess, six issue comes out, issue seven should be right behind it. Yep. No, we'll be seeing these monthly. Uh, yeah, they've been coming out close to monthly. Yeah, uh, we've been distributing them through Comicsology Submit. That's where they're at exclusively. And uh, there's been some a little bit longer than monthly between issues, but part of that's just us getting used to the Comicsology distribution system and like how yeah. early we need to submit the issues in order for them to come out at a certain time. And there's there's sometimes lots of question marks out there where we're just like I hope we get an email at some it, point telling yeah, us when it's coming out. <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a very vague system about things. Uh, they don't like to share information, but basically it's that once we've submitted, they need about four to six weeks to do approval, and then literally the week before it comes out, we'll get an email that says, "Hey, surprise! Your book is coming out on this day." But we didn't we, have to promote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we've we've more or less gotten uh, gotten the scheduling down of what things look like. So it's it's running at about monthly to every six weeks. Yep, good. So, are there any plans on making this uh, in print? 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's funny. You were talking about earlier, and I was going to come back to this point um, about just the kind of uh, cross genre appeal of the book. It's horror. There's suspense. There's World War Two. There's a part of that was actually made it a, a difficult sell um, during this process of, of putting it together. We pitched it to a couple companies. Uh, a, a handful liked it. We were working our way through approvals with some of the, the uh, print publishers, but it's a World War Two horror book, which are two. War comics and horror books are not the most popular. They're not sci-fi. They're not superhero. So we, by having kind of the, that mixture, it made it a little bit of a hard, of an hard, obvious sell. Not that it's a hard sell in and of itself, but when you're dealing with marketing departments and larger yeah. publishers, they're like, well, you know, is it Saga or is it Avengers? Like, which one is it? Yeah. Um, so but so the, we just decided after a while, like, you know what? We're going to put this book out. We're not going to wait for permission for someone to tell us, like, you can be comic book people now. Um, we had a lot of faith in what we were doing, so we decided to self-distribute it through Comixology, which is digital only. Um, we've had a couple publishers ask us about the book as well, um, and it, it, but we're planning on launching a Kickstarter shortly after the book wraps digitally um, to have a print copy. And if you know, if if all the stars align and the heavens uh, grant us whatever, we would love to have it out by Halloween this year um, in New York Comic Con. Yeah. Um, the, but you know, with a book that large and print run times and, and working with overseas printers, it might take a little bit longer. We're, we're in early stages of putting together what the campaign will look like and kind of, uh, budgeting and figuring out, um, what we need in order to get the book out. But yes, yes, for sure. We want nothing more to have this, uh, whole book, a physical book in our hands. Yes. I'm say, do, we need, do we need, do I need to call out, uh, um, Hawkins and, uh, McFarland? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Matt's got enough on his plate. I don't, I don't know what Todd's <laughs> I know he does, I, Not for nothing. I mean, me, Phil and myself are both very plugged in within the, the creator community. And especially in the last few years, as we've watched a lot of our friends kind of move up the ladder and everything, um, even before that, this book has always kind of had widespread support from editorial, from other creators. It was always just a question of where does it fit into a publishing strategy? So we've never taken it as like a slight or anything that nobody wanted to publish it. We're fully aware of what the challenges are from a business standpoint. You know, you're a company, you have to make money. And if you don't think that this is something that's going to net you a gain back, we get it. Uh, but to that end, it's also we believe in this book enough and that and we believe there's an audience enough out there that would be willing to give it a shot. Uh, if you guys do get this in the print, um, I, I, I would like to suggest hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hardcover collector. I like hardcovers. I want um, paper with variants. Yeah, I, mean, I know, right? We, we all, have, we all our, have our own little quirks uh, that we oh, like. Yeah. I, I share that quirk. That's what I, I've. That's how I've seen it since uh, since day one, and that's uh, that's my hope for it. Awesome, very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, let us know when you guys get the Kickstarter going, and we'll well, hell, I'll probably help you guys out. But we'll also, you know, throw it out there on Twitter and our social media, and we'll talk about it on the podcast and things like that too. Hopefully, draw some attention to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we, we yeah. definitely appreciate just the support right now, and we'll we'll keep you in the loop as it goes yeah. forward. And we'll we'll send you the issues as they're coming out, so you can keep up and let us know. Ooh, buddy, Ooh. I am so excited about we're, that. 
we're, we're, we are immensely grateful to the people yeah. that have kind of given this book a chance because we're, we're not, it's not, it's not lost on us that we're two relatively unknown creators that put this thing out into the world and are literally just pounding the pavement on it and going, Hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. And the people that are willing to look and like it, you know, we, we want to be able to live up to that expectation that they set for it. Yeah, we're we're doing the digital equivalent of selling it out of the trunk of our car in parking Pretty lots much. of comic book stores. <laughs> <laughs> and if we go to print, we will be selling it out of the trunk of our cars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you guys have any cons or anything coming up? You know, con season's kicking off. Do you guys have anything upcoming that you want to promote or throw out there? Yeah, I'll be a I'll be a guest of Comic Palooza in Houston, May twelfth through the fourteenth. Um, then I will be at Phoenix Comic Con, which is May, the end of May. It's like the 25th through the 27th or something like that. Um, then I'll, I'll be at San Diego, most likely. I'll probably do some signings at Dark Horse and Top Cow, and then I'll just be wandering around at least. And then maybe New York if I have any energy by the end of the year, but it's so many months away. Who knows? Yeah. What about you, Drew? What, what do you got going on? I have no cons this year except for uh, New York. Yeah, uh, I can. Chaining Drew to his desk to make sure he draws this last issue. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, I I can only get so much time off from work, and it's cons for me. Or it, it's kind of like if you don't have anything to sell, it's a bit of a financial burden. So for me, I'm kind of holding out till New York, and fingers crossed, we'll have this thing in print, and it'll be uh, it'll debut at a uh, New York Comic Con. So that's good. my hope for it. You know, it always, I like to, to point this out. Drew, what's your day job, just so people know? I, I work for uh, New York City Fire Department as an EMT. Yep, so hey. when Drew's not drawing the house, he's saving lives by the desert. <laughs> South Bronx, Station 5-5. Five five. Nice. Haven't ran into cre- any creepy houses yet, though, right? Oh, you'd be amazed how many creepy houses I've ended up in. <laughs> Walking around and they're going, ah, oh, this is, I should not be in here. Why am I here? Oh, you have a tummy ache? Why do you live in this place? <laughs> at least you, uh, at least the doors don't disappear so you can get out. Yeah. Did you ever happen it, to open up those uh, sailor doors on the floor? <laughs> I have, actually. <laughs> so now we're going to see what you get to see, right? <laughs> I have. I've, I've gotten the poor guy that's fallen down those cellar doors. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, don't, word of advice, if you see those uh, little doors on the sidewalk, the cellar ones, please don't walk over them drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, walk over him, I mean, so. so exactly, <laughs> exactly. If you're drunk, you hang out on them. You bounce up and down. You think it's a trampoline, and then next thing you know, you're in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so, besides the house, do you guys have any other um, ideas planned for any other um, projects? You know, I uh, I did a sci-fi one-shot comic earlier this year called Paradox that I released online for free at I think paradoxcomic.tumblr.com. Uh, and then I kickstarted it just because a bunch of friends were like, we should print this book. Uh, so I've got copies of it now. I'm in the process of fulfilling all the Kickstarter things. I'll have copies for sale at the shows I'm doing this year. Um, you can always just read it for free online. 
Um, I will probably throw it up on Comixology here in the next couple months. I just need to go through the approvals process. I'm working on a creator-owned book on my own right now, which I should be pitching around this summer to a couple companies. Some I've already been talking to about it. I'll share more info about it when I can. Drew and I are tentatively have a couple stories we've been working on for a sci-fi anthology just to throw out uh, once the house is all wrapped up, too. Drew, how about you? Um, I have a book with a writer named C.W. Cook that is up next for me. We're going to see what happens with that. I have a few pitches in the pipe that are in the uh, in the early stages. And then, yeah, uh, me and Phil are talking about kind of what comes next after this. But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to having a break when this <laughs> is done so I can just for a month draw, you know, whatever I want to draw. <laughs> and I guess I, I should mention... The second volume of my Tomb Raider run is out in May, beginning of Woo! May, somewhere in there. So two volumes of that will be out through Dark Horse Comics. That's what I did while Drew's been drawing the house. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, me and Nova are, are actually going to be seeing uh, C.W. Cook here next week at uh, uh, nice. City Planet Comic Con. So. Yeah, um, I'm sure he'll be chatty about that project. He's been itching to do it for a while. <laughs> we'll have to go pick his brain about it. No, no, absolutely. It's uh, we we haven't we haven't gone too far on pitching it to companies, but uh, if you like Lord of the Flies and Escape from New York, it's right up your alley. Oh, that, oh, sounds, that sounds cool. Great. <laughs> so I think that's you just won me and Matt over tap uh, right yeah, away, right there. That, that's yeah, be great. And it's uh, we've already done about a five page pitch, but it's now been so long since it was done. Uh, I'm kind of itching to redesign everything because if we go for a longer run, I want to make sure I enjoy drawing these people for 30 issues. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yep. So that's uh, I think that's our plans for the future right now. Very cool. Very cool. I'm see, I'm looking forward to when uh, this uh you know, the paper copies hopefully come out of the house because then when I see y'all both at a con, you know, I can get the signatures and everything. <laughs> see, that's what I'm looking forward to right there. Maybe maybe I'll try and get Drew to uh, commission me a piece of art or something, you know. I will we'll draw what, I will draw whatever you like. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. Thanos in the house. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say was Thanos in the house. <laughs> Just stuck sitting in there. Why is it getting smaller around me? <laughs> Some hydrogen running in. <laughs> yeah. They would, they would do well in there. Yeah, they would. <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. All right. Anybody else have any other questions? No, I'm golden. Thank you guys for doing this. No, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. I know it took us a couple of weeks to get schedules aligned, but it works out right as the third issue comes yeah, out. Yeah, so no, perfect, perfect after all. Yep. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that fourth issue. Like, I know <laughs> and I the am. fifth, and the sixth, and the, the sixth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you, it it it, it kind of ratchets up how insane things yeah. start to get. It really does. There's a sequence in the fourth issue. Which, to me as a writer, is my favorite thing of this series that I wrote, just with what we were able to accomplish. But each issue was a challenge, like, all right, how do we take what we have and where do we go to the next level from there? And we, we I, I'm i excited for everyone to read the end. I will not spoil anything, but we go pretty full-blown crazy. So uh, that was... It, it, it gets bonkers. Yeah. 
Drew was pushing me the whole time as a rider, like, do more, do more, step it up. It's got to be louder. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be more intense. It was a George Lucas direction, so it was fantastic. <laughs> and then I ruined it with a, uh animated frog. Yeah, and there's a yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, but, all right. Thank you guys very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. And, uh, no, thank like you, guys. Said, let us know when your Kickstarter comes out. We'll be more than happy to help promote it and do what we can uh, to yeah. assist. Oh, thank we you. Absolutely. We definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. Awesome. That's a wrap on another fun podcast. Thanks for joining us. But the comic fun doesn't stop here. Check out Four Guys in a Comic on our YouTube channel. You can watch our comic reviews, hilarious pulling ads, and comic hauls, among other comic hijinks. We're also on Twitter. We love talking to our fans. Drop us a line anytime. Not enough for you? We got your back. You can hang out with us on Instagram and Facebook, too. If that's not enough for you, we got a special deal for you. Comic Bento is offering our fans a special deal with 15% off. That's right. Use the link in the notes for 15% off a Comic Bento subscription. And if you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Stay awesome, friends.